My name is Aaron. My wife, Sarah, is right here. We have been stuck in America <laughs> for eight weeks. It was only supposed to be four. And uh, we got home on Thursday. Uh, this is home to us. We got to see our dog, praise God. And we're getting to see all of you today. It's so good to see you. It's so good to be back. And like I said, we did get back on Thursday, and I have been up since 2 a.m. <laughs> Woke up at 2 o'clock, and I was like, whoa! It's time, and I was like, no, it's not, and now that we're home, one of the things that we're going to start doing that my wife and I love to do is uh, start growing some of our own vegetables. We've done this before when we lived in Texas a long time ago, and we were youth pastors in East Texas. We had a vegetable garden, and it was huge. I had like the proper tiller, and it would go out. I mean, we had tomato plants, potatoes, onions, all kinds of stuff. And we want to start doing that again because we, we love this idea of self-sustainable living. Even to the point I bought a book on how to do it in the city, which is awesome. How to build things where you can grow vegetables and all of these kinds of things. While we were in Texas, we love it so much, we actually went and visited uh, with some friends of ours a self-sustainable community. I'm not going to lie, it was a little weird, but at the same time, it was cool. Because these people, they live out near Waco, Texas. <laughs> and so they uh, had this place where they grow their own food. These people worship together. They homeschool together. I told you they were a little weird. And uh, they, they, not only that, they build their own furniture. I mean, there was, they had their own restaurant. Like, these people go all out. They are a homestead community. You know what homesteading is. It's like putting together all your stuff. And doing it all on your own. And one of my favorite shops when we were there, let me grab this cup right over here real fast. One of my favorite shops while we were there was a pottery shop. And these people actually offer classes on pottery. I was like, I've got to do that. Like, that's cool, you know. Uh, that seems fun. I didn't get to do it while we were there, unfortunately. But I saw this cup, and I really, really loved this cup, and my mother-in-law went back in, God bless her, and she actually bought this cup for me and gave it to me as a Christmas present, which was really, really cool and uh, a good thing. But you know what's fascinating about this cup is that it did not start this way. It actually started out just as a lump of dirt. That's all it was. As a piece of clay. The reality is that for this cup, with the right mixture of sand and dirt and water, something amazing was formed. But the clay couldn't make itself into the cup. You with me? The clay did not have the ability to make itself into this cup. Why? Because the clay is lifeless. The clay needed the hands of a skillful potter. It needed to be shaped. This morning, I want to talk to you for a few moments about what it means to surrender to the shaping. To surrender to the shaping. In the Bible, we uh, see many times in uh, this metaphor or the imagery of the potter and the clay. We see this image of God as the master potter and us, his people, his creation as the clay. And as we're going to see in the passage that we're going to read this morning, this illustration of God as the master potter and then you and I as the clay, it presents a choice that we all have to make. A choice that hopefully you will make at the end of the sermon this morning. 
We're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 18, and we're going to read verses 1 through 6. I'm excited because I got a new Bible for uh, Christmas. Woo! So I'm like, yeah! I love new Bibles, man. It's real, it, I just like it. It's good. It's soft. It's small. My in-laws, again, they're wonderful people. Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 through 6. Here's what the word says. The prophet says this. It says, this is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the will. All right, look at somebody real fast and tell them he's working at the will. Come on, there you go. Yes, yes. Okay, verse 4. But the pot that he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter... So are you in my hands, Israel. Jeremiah was a prophet of the Old Testament, and, and he spoke on behalf of God to the people of Israel. He, this was written about 600 years before Christ. And Israel, as you know, if you've read your Bible at all, you know Israel was chosen by God to be his people, the Israelites, to follow the law and to declare the glory of God to the nations around them. But by this point in history of the passage that we just read, by this point in history, the kingdom has went through a lot of chaos. The kingdom has been divided. There's actually a northern kingdom called Israel, and then there's a southern kingdom called Judah. And Jeremiah writes this message to the southern kingdom of Judah. He spoke to them, and, and he warned them about the coming destruction if they did not follow the law of God in the Old Testament. And if you read the book of Jeremiah, his prophecies, God would speak through him using all kinds of real life scenarios, such as the potter and the clay. Now, here's the reality, guys. This passage is not simply a cute story for us to read and to look at in the Old Testament, or, or it's not inspiration alone for me to take a pottery class, <laughs> even though I want to. That would be cool. Rather, it's a beautiful picture of two truths that we see in God's word, the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. The sovereignty of God and the free will of man. So first off, what do we, what do we mean by the sovereignty of God? What does that mean? That sounds like some big theological seminary term. Well, we're going to break it down today. What do we mean by that? We mean this, the sovereignty of God points us to his rule, his authority, and his presence. The sovereignty of God points us to his rule, his authority, and his presence. In other words, God rules the world. He's the final authority. He, he has the final say. And for us, if you're a follower of Christ, and even if you're not as a follower of Christ today, if you don't follow him, our understanding of the sovereignty of God is a crucial foundation for our human existence. 
And for some of you, you easily accept the sovereignty of God, his rule, his authority. You're like, yep, he's God, I'm not, the end, right? And then others of us, maybe, we say, hold up, wait a minute. <laughs> Can't nobody tell me what to do. YOLO, okay? So, I got me, I'm good, thanks, I'm in charge. Me, myself, and I. No matter what camp you fall in, whether you're the person that says, yep, he's God, I'm not, he has the final say, good to go, or you're the person that says, woo, hold up, <laughs> can't tell me what to do. And no matter where you fall, or maybe you fall somewhere in between, all of us have someone or something that's the final authority of our lives. You have a worldview by which you live and you operate and you make decisions. In other words, someone or something sits on the throne of your heart. There's a throne there. And oftentimes, I don't know about you, but Aaron likes to get on that throne. And the Holy Spirit has to say, you need to get off. I'm like, okay, sorry, God. <laughs> Because he and he alone wants to be and desires to be the king of my heart. He deserves that place. How and why? Because he's the sovereign creator of the universe. He desires to be the final authority in your life. He desires to be the Lord of your life. Our human nature, our, our initial reaction often to this is resistance and rebellion. Let me explain. How, how many of you, if you have kids or you've been around kids, how many of you had to teach them the word no? I've got three kids. Listen, little Billy, you can't run around with those scissors. It's not good for you. Give those back to daddy. No. I don't know about your household. In my household, when I was growing up, you didn't say that very many times. You learned very quickly not to say no. Or if you did it, you were like, no. Like you, you whispered it. Why? Because mom and dad have the rule and the authority over little Billy. But little Billy it wants to resist and rebel because he knows what's best for himself, right? Running with scissors. No, little Billy. It's not that mom and dad are harsh and mean and they're just so terrible of people. It's that dad doesn't want another doctor's bill, right? Dad and mom know that little Billy's going to fall and then he's going to have to go to the hospital and then we got another bill and then it's like, ah! Why? Because mom and dad, as the ruler and the Lord and the authority in that home, they know what's best for little Billy because he doesn't know yet. Mm. There's so many factors, really, if we look at this, that can contribute in our life to our, our view of the rule and the authority of God or anyone else. Society, or maybe you grew up with one of those dictatorial type of figures in your home where what they said went and you didn't question and you didn't ask anything and you didn't talk back and none of that kind of stuff. And on and on and on the list can go. But God's authority is different. 
Well, how is it different? How, how is the authority of God different? Here's how sacrificial love characterizes the rule and the authority of God. You see, God's rule and authority is characterized by love. His rule and his authority is characterized not just by love, but by sacrificial love. Now, how in the world do we see this in the the potter and the clay? Think about it. The clay doesn't place itself on the will to be shaped. The clay can't do that. The potter, who is the one with the authority and the rule, places it there. So the potter takes this pile of seemingly worthless dirt. Mm. And he adds water and he adds sand and then he begins to knead it out like dough. See, when we lived in Texas, my wife's best friend was a Mexican lady and she taught her how to make tortillas. Woo! I like Mexican food. And the thing about Mexican, when she was making these tortillas, she starts with flour, and it seems useless and worthless. But then she takes all the ingredients necessary, puts those in there, and then Sarah starts kneading the dough. She starts working it into a process. She starts shaping that dough, and then all of a sudden, that which seemed like it was worthless and it had no value becomes amazing in my tummy. Woo! It gets good. The clay is lifeless. The potter, the one who has life, he gives shape to the clay. Can I tell you this morning, thank God that the potter of the universe saw me when I was just a pile of seemingly worthless dirt. And you know what he did when I was 15 years old and I was running from God my entire life and I knew what was right but I wasn't following it? He reached his hand down and he took that which seemed worthless and he said, I love you, my son. I'm here for you. I've never left you and I'll never leave you. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You can pinpoint the moment in time in your life where you experience the love and the sacrificial love of our God. When everyone else might have said, man, you're worthless, you're useless, there's no point. What's the point of messing with this person? It's okay, it's all right. We're all made from dirt, right? We're all just dirty people. (laughs) As one philosopher said, they trying to catch me riding. Hey, there it is. Okay, stop that. That's old school. All of us, we're, we're, literally, God formed Adam from dirt. Something that seems useless and worthless. And, and, and what could he do with that? But in the hands of the master potter, he can shape it and mold it into a vessel that's useful for him and his kingdom. Sacrificial love characterizes the rule and the authority of God. Love characterizes that. But remember, sovereignty isn't simply about rule and authority. It's also about presence. And presence is power in the shaping process. Presence is power in the shaping process process. 
So once a potter kneads the dirt and he has this lump of clay, it's then placed on a potter's wheel, much like, excuse me, it's placed on a wheel, and then what happens is the wheel begins to spin. It starts turning around and around and around and around. And this allows the potter to shape the clay into the vessel that he has in mind. And you know what? It's a process. It's a process of spinning. I can't do this too much in, since I'm jet lagged for sure. Woo! It's a process. Spin, spin, spin. And sometimes it feels like the spinning never stops. But the potter is there. He's present the entire time, and without the spinning, the clay cannot be formed into the vessel that he desires for it to be. The spin has to happen. You know what happens when you're spinning? Everything becomes a blur. How many of y'all, last year, woo, 2020, I don't even know. A year of 2020 vision. Man, I, I, don't even, I didn't have any vision in 2020, right? <laughs> Why? Because we were spinning. Have you ever been in that process? God, wouldn't, will this spinning stop? God, what's the purpose of all of this that's happening in my life right now? Spin, spin, spin. Some of you feel like you've been spinning for years. You've been on the wheel of the potter for a long time. Rest doesn't come. Peace doesn't come. Your finances are up and down and all around. Relationships are here and they're there. I mean, let's be honest. There's this variant. There's that variant. Soon we're going to be on the 53rd variant with the 54th booster shot. And we're just spinning and spinning and spinning. And we're like, God, what, where are you at? Master potter another surprise there's more heartache more pain there's tragedy life doesn't go the way you expect so what do we do what do we do when life doesn't go the way we want and it just feels like we're spinning and spinning and spinning here's the thing there's a powerful truth in this that we can miss as people sitting in south africa in 2022 I'm going to give you a little nugget. When you read your Bible, try to put yourself in their shoes. Try to understand the audience and the history and the culture of where they are. In their day, they would have understood what Jeremiah was seeing when he went to the potter's house. Because you see, here's what would happen. The, the potter was forming the clay, right? So he's forming the clay up here with his hands. He's overseeing, he's directing the entire process. He's present. Presence is power. He's present in the entire process of shaping the vessel into what he wants it to be. As our passage says, into what seemed best to him. So the potter, he's there. He's, he's shaping the vessel on top of this wheel. And then that's set on top of a table. 
what we don't understand and what we, uh, in 2022, unless you've been to a first century style pottery shop, what we miss is that underneath that table, there was a shaft that was connected to another wheel. And the way that the wheel would spin was the potter would use his foot. And he would spin it. And as he spun the wheel at the bottom, the wheel on top would also spin that he was shaping. Come on, somebody. Y'all got to see this. I came here to tell you this morning that even though life feels like it's chaotic and it's out of control, that the master potter controls the spin. He controls it all. And he knows when he needs to speed it up. Because he's like, Aaron just still doesn't get it that I want him to love his enemies. So I'm going to put some more enemies in his life. <laughs> Lord. <Woo. laughs> I still want my glory to be known across the entire earth. I have a purpose and a plan for North Place Church Durban. And so even though they may feel like at times that they're spinning out of control, they're really not out of control because I'm controlling the spin. Holy Spirit wants some of you to know this morning that even though your life feels chaotic and it feels out of control, that you can trust the master potter, the God of the universe, who is controlling the spin. He's in control. His presence is always there. He's always there. We don't have to steer the, steer the, the spin. Why? Because he's close at hand. And you know what I'm learning? I'm learning. I haven't learned it, but I'm learning. You know, everyone wants to be an influencer. Got my Instagram influencer. TikTok. I just post a little video of, woo, shaky, shaky, and get lots of followers, right? Not me. <laughs> woo, don't do that. <laughs> he's controlling the spin. What I'm learning in the kingdom of God is the greater the influence, the greater the spin. Because there's so many things that need to be worked out of me so that I become more like Christ. Whew. You want great influence in your job, in your community, and, and to reach them for Jesus? You want him to use you? Be ready for some spin. And the more stubborn you are, the more spin you get. <laughs> you don't have to fear the spin because he's in control. He may not answer your questions of why, how, when, or what, but his hands are never far from the clay. Can I tell you his presence, his power? Not only does he control the spin, but his hands are always there. He's there to touch you in the morning. He's there to touch you in the evening. He's there to touch you and be with you in pain, in suffering, in tragedy. He's with you in the joyous seasons of life. He's here to touch you today. He can touch you. Sometimes, man, can I tell you that when we were getting delayed by three weeks and we were just, I, my whole family of five was living in like a garage, y'all, with my mother-in-law and father-in-law. Thank God she bought me this truck. <laughs> we were spinning. 
My God, I got a lot to do. I have stuff going on. What is happening? God, I, I don't know what, when, why, where, how. And can I tell you, I didn't get all those answers, and I still don't. But I remember I would get up so early in the mornings, and the touch of God and his presence was there. He can touch you today. That's why we have a prayer team come up here at the end of our service. It's not just so that we tick a box and say, well, <laughs> religious activity, yoop, we're good. No, no, no. It's because we want to pray with you because we know you bring in heavy stuff from the week and there's things going on and you're spinning and spinning and spinning and we want to pray with you, put our faith with your faith together and we want to see God touch your life. His presence is power. There's an interesting point in this passage that I want to read to you again, and it's found in verse number four. It says this, he says, but the pot that he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hand. The pot was marred in his hand. So the potter formed it into another pot. Look at this, shaping it as seemed best them mm. that term it means to be damaged to be scarred or to reveal imperfection see as the clay is is being shaped what happens in jeremiah is watching this as it's being formed into a pot or or something else useful an imperfection is revealed. Maybe it was a, a small stone. Maybe it was a wood chip. Maybe it was a hard piece of clay. We don't know, but there was an imperfection in the clay. Now, this is in, an important point theologically, okay? It wasn't the hands of the potter that caused the vessel to be damaged. It wasn't that the potter uh, was spinning it too fast or that the potter lacked skill or, or he took too long in the shaping process. No, 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 no. The, the imperfection was not in the potter. It was in the clay. And as he's shaping it, the flaw is revealed. The scar is revealed. And what does the potter do? doesn't cast it to the side doesn't throw it away he continues the process of shaping he continues to work with it and form it into what he deems best a vessel that he can use here's the truth folks our reaction to the sovereign shaping process Reveals our level of usefulness in the kingdom of God. Our reaction to the sovereign shaping process. That reaction of either I surrender to it or I resist it. It reveals our level of usefulness in the kingdom of God. As I said before, we, if we desire to be used by God, then he wants to continue to shape us and mold us into the image of Christ. Listen, this shaping isn't easy. Sometimes it's, it's hard to understand what in the world is happening, right? We don't get it at times. And there can be external influences that scar us, that damage us. 
Some of you here, you know what I'm talking about this morning. Your shaping has been difficult. You have been marred by life. You felt damaged or scarred. Can I tell you this morning that God has not abandoned you? He has not cast you out. He has not forgotten you. No, 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 no. He's still there. Our God doesn't abandon. He adopts. Woo! He doesn't abandon us. He doesn't throw us out. But he says, no, no, no. I adopt you and I bring you into my family, into the family of God because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. And even though there's external influences that maybe have damaged you and they have scarred you, here's the reality. God desires to take that scar and use it for something great in his kingdom. Whoo! Most likely he wants to use it to comfort people that you are going to encounter in your life that have experienced the same type of scars. You can show them a way forward. If you've been hurt, if you've been scarred by life, man, I am sorry. And I'm here to tell you this morning that God also is sorry. It hurts his heart. And I'm also here to tell you this morning that God wants to use that thing that happened so that he can use you to reach others that have experienced the same damage and scar in their life. God wants to use you. He's shaping us. You know, there can also be external influences that a lot of times will reveal some internal flaws in us. What am I talking about? Wait till you have that family member that just rubs you the wrong way. Woo. Wait till that anger rises up in you and that disgust rises up inside of you. And it reveals to you, you know what? Maybe I don't value them and love them the way that Christ does and the way that I am supposed to. He's shaping us. Wait until you have that boss or that coworker that consistently treats you like dirt. And we all are dirt though, right? So I mean <laughs> But what about what about when they lie about you or they manipulate situations in their favor? See what reaction rises in your heart. It'll tell you a lot about yourself. Why? Because he's shaping you. He's shaping you to be a vessel that is useful for his kingdom. And that shaping is uncomfortable. It's not pleasant, but it gives us a choice. All of us have a choice. What is my reaction going to be to the shaping process? Just as Israel, the southern kingdom, Judah, in the passage we read today, they had a choice, and we're going to see what theirs was in just a moment. Even Christ, the Son of God, had a choice. He could surrender to the will of the Father or not. Look with me real fast at this prayer that Jesus prays before his crucifixion. In Matthew chapter 26, he says this, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to, him, to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. 
stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, My father, look at this, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Even Christ, the Son of God, had a choice to surrender to the will of the Father, taking on the sin of the world. And he didn't deserve it. He didn't deserve the, the, the death and, and paying for the sin. He did not deserve it. He could surrender to it or he could resist it. He chose to surrender for the sake of others. The choice is ours. And here's the choice. The choice is ours. Surrender to the shaping for the sake of other people or resist for the sake of self. Surrender to the shaping for the sake of others or I can resist it for the sake of me. To get my way. To live how I want to live. To be the best me. Man, I've been seeing all that. Be the best you in 2022. I don't want to be the best Aaron because the best Aaron still falls short of who Christ is. I want to be more like Jesus. Because when I am more like Jesus and I love my enemies unconditionally, then I will be the best Aaron I can be. Don't strive to be the best you in 2022. Strive to be the person that surrenders to Christ and be more like him in 2022. The choice is ours. I want to read real fast, and uh, forgive me, I don't have this on the screen. Uh, I want to read to you the choice that Judah made, that Jeremiah was writing to, that God was speaking to. It says in chapter 18 in Verse 11 and 12, he says that God speaking says it says this. He says, now, therefore, say to the people of Judah and those living in Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. Look, I am preparing a disaster for you and devising a plan against you. So turn from your evil ways, each one of you, and reform your ways in your actions. Verse 12. Look, at, listen to this. God knows. But they will reply. It's no use. We will continue with our own plans. We will all follow the stubbornness of our evil hearts. Wow. Israel made a choice in the Old Testament. They said, no, I'm not surrendering to the shaping process for the sake of other people. I'm resisting it because I want to do what I want to do. They made a choice. You and I have a choice. What will 2022 look like for you if you surrender to the shaping process for the sake of other people? What will 2022 look like for your family if you make the choice to be shaped by the master potter to remain on the wheel? What do you choose? What do you choose? We have a choice. Think about it. What will North Place Durban look like if we continually stay on the potter's will? 
I tell you what it like? We will be known as a disciple-making community across our city. If we stay on the potter's wheel and we allow him to shape us as a community of people, we're going to be an expression of the love of Christ in our places of influence. You're going to be an expression of Jesus in your school. You're going to be an expression of Jesus in your business. You're going to be an expression of Jesus in government and how we need those expressions today. You have a choice of surrender or resist. I choose surrender. I choose surrender. We have a choice, and what will we decide? We need to surrender to Him in the shaping of our life. What is it that He's wanting to pull out of you right now? What is it that he is shaping in your life right now? I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to make these words come alive to you today. And we're going to take a minute. It may be awkward for some of you. We're going to listen. God speaks when we quiet ourselves. I, I like to talk. God's been dealing with me so much about Aaron. Sometimes when we silence ourselves, we can hear his voice. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray in the next few minutes, Holy Spirit, speak to their hearts. Let that still, small voice resonate loud and clear in their minds. Some of you, he wants you to know that he's here to touch you today and tomorrow and the next day. He's there with you. You're not alone. He's with you. Whenever the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart, take that. Let it be an anthem for you for your week. team is going to join me here in the front this morning. And if you want to respond to today's message in any way, or if you have a prayer need in your life of any kind, our prayer team wants to join with you in prayer, especially if you have surrendered your life to Christ for the first time today, come and see one of these prayer teams. They want to pray with you. They want to lead you in a sinner's prayer. They want to talk to you about that decision and what it means. Maybe for some of you, man, you just, you say, I just need a touch. I just need to know that the potter is there, that his hands are close, 
want to pray with you today. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this team. I thank you for this church. I pray today that you will be with us. That everything we say and do will be for your glory and your glory alone. In Jesus' name. God bless you, North Place. We pray you have a wonderful week. God bless you.